Japanatron. My name is Dave Pavlina, and Japanatron is a podcast all about life in Japan and Japanese culture. How you doing? You know, I realized from uh, saying that so many times that there are an incredible number of peas <laughs> in that opening thing. And peas, as you may or may not know, uh, the pea sound really makes your mic get screwed up because it can kind of pop the mic. So I got a ton of pop filters all over my microphone uh, because I say the word Japan all the time. So hopefully the peas aren't popping today. <laughs> All right, today's topic. I want to reminisce about the giant Tohoku earthquake. We just had the five-year anniversary. The earthquake, the triple disaster really, happened on March 11th, 2011. So we just had the five years. Uh, why do I want to talk about this? This sad story? I don't know. I just want to get my story down because, you know, it's so interesting. You know, I'm so fascinating. My my story is just so fascinating. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I was not in the Tohoku region at the time. Uh, I am still alive. I survived the quake. Uh, and um, uh, where do I begin? I was in Tokyo, central Tokyo, at my office. Uh, I was on the 15th story, 15th floor of... Pff, maybe a 20-story, fairly new office building in central Tokyo. Uh, I work in IT, and I was actually getting ready to leave early. I remember uh, I was going to leave early work uh, leave work early that day to go to a tech conference. There was some kind of tech conference going on in Odaiba, and I was going to take the afternoon off to, uh, to go and attend that. So I was doing a final check of the servers in the server room, and the racks, the server racks, started swaying a little bit. And it's always difficult uh, for people who have experienced earthquakes, who know what they are and what they're like, it's very difficult for us uh, to explain them to someone who has never experienced an earthquake, which there are lots of people in the world like that. Uh, and I was raised in California, now I live in Tokyo, so I'm quite familiar with the earthquake experience. So I'm going to do my best to explain um, using analogies as to what uh, this kind of earthquake was like. This was a 9.0. This is a big, badass motherfucker. Okay, so server racks start swaying. And the, the feeling is like a truck, like a large diesel truck powering up the engine. <laughs> And we had had an earthquake, fairly strong one, maybe two or three days before this. And you just sort of, you feel this truck powering up sensation. And um, you just sort of stand there and look around and just sort of wait it out. And you just say to yourself, where's this going? Is this, is this it? Mother Nature, is, is that all you got? Or are you going to crank this this up? Is this going to become worse? So I'm looking at the server room. You know, the server's sort of swaying, and I'm like, I'm getting out of here. So I go out. Everyone's standing up, and we're all looking at each other with that kind of expression. Is this going to get worse? What's going on with this? So we still got this kind of truck powering up this engine sensation. And keep in mind, we're on the 15th floor, so we get we get the swaying motion. 
Down on the ground, it's different. Up on the 15th floor, you get the swaying building, the, the swaying of the building happening. And of course, it depends on the building, but most modern uh, buildings, which, which is what Tokyo has, uh, these earthquake-resistant buildings, they will try to sway with the energy instead of resisting it. So you'll get this sort of swaying, tr like I said, truck rumbling sensation. Kind of uh, almost uh, as, it, as it gets more powerful, the truck has now started moving and it's now sort of rolling down a hill. Okay, so that's that's where it sort of starts heading, but it doesn't really it, it doesn't really get any worse than that. So we're just sort of standing up, looking at each other, and it's just sort of you know swaying a little bit. Then just out of nowhere, and I, let me back up from the microphone because otherwise I'll blast your ears off. We're just sort of looking at each other, and then it's wham, boom, and it gets bad. It's bad in a literally a sonic boom hit the building, boom, boom, and it starts bouncing, and you have to hold on to something. And everyone was holding on to the desk. And when that boom hit, people screamed. Literally, it, it took your breath away. And I'm I'm freaking out. That's when you start freaking out. It's it's wham. It's like just a violent shaking around. And I, my cue, and having grown up in California, I know, you know, in elementary school, we always used to get under the desk and put our hands over like our neck. And my cue to do that was when I start seeing white powder fall from the ceiling. <laughs> because I'm like, oh shit, this, this is bad. This is the worst one ever. That's when I knew. I had never seen white powder fallen from any ceiling in California or in Japan. And this is the first time. And I'm like, oh shit. If ceiling tiles start falling down, that's bad. Okay, so you gotta get under the desk. I get under the desk. Not at all of my coworkers do. I get under my desk in Japan, God bless you. There's a helmet and there's an emergency kit under there. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck this. I put the helmet on. Okay. And I regret this. My first instinct was for my own personal safety. And part of me regrets that. Because I wish I whipped out my iPhone and started filming. Because <laughs> I would have gotten some crazy viral hits to my uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> but I did not. I was unfortunately thinking about my own personal safety. And so I uh, was crouching under the desk with my hands over my neck. And kind of looking at how bad this was going to get. Okay, so it's a violent shaking and it's not, it's not chilling out. It is long. And the building starts sounding like the Titanic. Do you remember the movie Titanic at the end when it's sinking and they have these metal groaning sounds? That sound, good job, Hollywood, that sound is very, very real because I heard it. The building was making that sound. It was these metal girders just, just groaning, groaning with the energy of that quake. And it was Japan's anti-earthquake technology versus Mother Nature right at this point. And you just heard this titanic-like metal groaning sound. And we also heard this sort of banging. Almost like you're playing, um, I forgot, uh, T uh, what is that game? When you, when you, a uh, tetherball. When you're hitting the tetherball and something and the ball like hits the metal pole and rings it. 
that sound was, was <laughs> the building was making that sound. I don't understand where that was coming from. Now, to make matters worse, an alarm goes off. Now, what's the point of, <laughs> of an alarm during a giant fucking earthquake? <laughs> um, can you terrify people even more? And Japan's earthquake alarms, let me tell you, they are terrifying. And they're intended to be before the earthquake, not during. <laughs> okay, so a little late on the uptake there, Japan. And the the uh, the alarm sound is like, beep, 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 beep. It's just, it's one of those, I don't know, the siren designer. <laughs> Let's make the most scary fucking thing. You know, whoever designed the air raid siren and this one really did a good job. Let's scare the shit out of people. So this thing's going off, and then we get an announcement from, uh, we call it Bullseye Center. It's like the emergency center. It's pretty much the office of the building, actually. And they're getting on, and you know, they're saying, <laughs> like, yeah, there's a giant earthquake going on right now. <laughs> really? I hadn't noticed. Thank you. Uh, get under your desks, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this is a big, This is a big motherfucker. That's what the guy said. Okay, so it finally, I mean, it felt, it must have been five minutes from start to finish. Five solid minutes of this. I don't know the exact timer, but I wasn't timing it. Like I said, I wasn't filming it. I was under the desk crying like a baby. And it was long. It was the longest thing I'd ever experienced. And so it finally settles down. And we go over to the break room where we have a TV, and we get that TV on, and we look. And the most horrifying thing about earthquakes in Japan, as most people know now after this disaster, is not the earthquake itself, but the tsunami. Because that's the one that kills everybody and does the most damage, which is exactly what happened on this day. And we see the whole coast of Japan, including Tokyo, mind you, lit up red and blinking. And, and I remember I said, uh, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, deep down inside, I knew what it meant. But everyone's heart and jaw just sunk, just dropped. And we're like, oh, holy shit. And we, it was just surreal. You had so much going on through your mind. You didn't know what, what. What, do we stay here? Do we go? What about all those people in the, the, you know, the blinking red areas? And I don't know how they did this, but they scrambled helicopters up there unbelievably quickly. And they show the wave coming. And you're like, holy shit. And I was not near the coast, and I think they figured out quite early on that Tokyo was actually safe even though the preliminary, the very first map of Japan showing it, it I mean, it was the whole coast. <laughs> the whole East Coast was just blinking red. I mean, they just failed on the side of caution. Let's just, let's just alert the whole East Coast of Japan. So, Jap uh, Tokyo got spared big time by this thing. The earthquake was strong as shit. I mean, and considering how far away it was, I can only imagine what it was like at the epicenter. I mean, in Tokyo, it was only like a 6 or 7, which is still strong, but a 9 is, is a totally different world. And we, our, our jaws just dropped, and we're, it was surreal. We had, we had turned the whole office, all of us, and, and my coworkers and everyone, we just turned into zombies. 
literally. We were we were comatose. We were in such shock. We we didn't know what. I mean, people. Some people were freaking out. Some people were just. I was just like relaxed in the most undescribable way. And a lot of things. Um, you know, the news reports and everything, and, and especially people who have never experienced earthquakes. You think it's just the quake, and that was it. But no, this was earthquakes for days, for weeks. It was an entire day of earthquakes. All day, all into the night, earthquakes. Every few minutes. The aftershocks were just never-ending. So, I'm extremely lucky in multiple ways. Number one, like I said, Tokyo was spared big time. The tsunami did not hit it. Just because of the geography of the coast of Japan and how the uh, sort of where Tokyo Bay begins and actually up towards Chiba, there's sort of this like this hook that comes outward and that that sort of deflected the energy of the uh, of the tsunami so that by the time it was down to Chiba, it wasn't that strong. And that's the first way I'm extremely lucky. The, the, The building, the second one was the building did not collapse or anything. In fact, I think only one building in Tokyo collapsed, which really says something about, you know, Japan's uh, earthquake preparedness, uh, especially when it comes to their architecture. The third way I was extremely lucky is I live fairly close to the office. I'm not one of those let's commute from Chiba or from Saitama people. I live in central Tokyo. I pay a fucking price for that. But on this day, I was very happy I was paying that price because for the money I pay for the place in central Tokyo, I could get a a much bigger house somewhere out in Chiba or Saitama, which a lot of people do. You have the long train commute, but you get a big house. Well, I went the opposite way. I went the short commute with a tiny little box. And on this day, I was happy I opted for the box. So... After the earthquake, it was it was interesting because there wasn't really any announcements from Bolsai Center. Evacuate the building, do this, do that. There's nothing. And, and, you know, you always go through these drills where you quietly, you know, everyone in a single file line with their helmets on, they, uh, they drill for this and we quietly evacuate the building. No, there's none of that. There's no really organized effort. Should we evacuate the building or not? No one knew. No one knew. I don't really blame them. It was just sort of, you know, you're on your own. And interestingly, the power did not really go out at all. I mean, it flickered a little bit during the main quake. And even the servers, I checked the servers, you know, the UPS systems, the battery backup systems, they clicked on maybe a few seconds during the quake. And that was it. And the power was on. I was That was very impressive. Uh, the power did not go out. Uh, the second thing that was impressive was the wired internet. I'm not talking about wireless, not like mobile phone stuff, wired internet. So our internet at the office was fine. That was interesting. So I actually managed, uh, I checked my Skype as soon as this earthquake was finished. And I managed to call my dad in America. And it was the middle of the night there. And I said, you know what? This warrants waking up my parents, you know, to get the word out to my family that uh, I'm alive. (laughs) And so I managed to make a call to my dad in the U.S., woke him up and told him, listen, dad, I know you just woke up. I know I woke you up. It's the middle of the night. You're probably a little out of it. This is your son. There was just 
the biggest earthquake ever in Japan <laughs> just now. I'm okay. I survived. Uh, I have to find out what's going on with, you know, my wife, you know, and we, we may have to evacuate the building, but just tell mom I'm alive, you know, when you wake up in the morning, but you might want to turn on CNN or whatever, because it's like the biggest earthquake ever in human history just happened <laughs> right in my backyard. Okay, so that was interesting. Power, wired internet, no problem at all. They were fine. Wireless, <laughs> mobile networks, of course, as you'd expect, whole other story, totally fucked. Phone networks, all completely fucked. Subways, completely fucked. Transportation, fucked. Taxis, buses, see, the subway was gone, it was totally taken out of commission. The subway in central Tokyo, if that's taken out of commission... Instantly, transportation is screwed because everyone's going to fall back to taxis and buses. You're going to have 32 million people taking a taxi and a bus. <laughs> I was extremely lucky. I go out of the building. People are just sort of trickling out of the building when they see fit. Of course, the elevators were off, so I just go down the 15th floor. 15 floors, I gather up my belongings, and I'm like, well... I guess a 9.0 earthquake pretty much, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty much closes the office for the day. I assume we're not going to get much work done for the rest of the day. And this was already around the afternoon. It was already like around 2.33, I think, when this happened. So I go out, I exit the building, and there's tons of people out on the streets. And it's just surreal. It's like a zombie movie. People are just looking around. Not many people are really injured. There's not like bloody people on the streets. <laughs> there's no zombies on the streets. But everyone was acting like a zombie. We're just like, oh, what? We just got smacked in the head with something. We're out of it. We're like on drugs. And I'm walking. I got my backpack. I got my stuff. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on. But you know what? I guess the goal number one right now is get home. Let's get home. Because my wife uh, works literally in the building next to our house. So her commute is even shorter. <laughs> Real lucky. Easy for her to get home. And uh, I knew that's where she was going to go. And I couldn't call her. There's no way I couldn't text her. Couldn't call her. Uh, couldn't Skype her. <laughs> I don't think she's going to be logged in. I don't think she was gonna, she's tech savvy enough to do that. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna walk home. And I, I had never walked home at this point, but I knew the way to go. And I knew it probably uh, would take, I, I just had to walk. So, in, you know, this street, this street. And I figure it was gonna take me about an hour, an hour and a half. So I'm walking through Ginza. I walk through Hibia Park, I walk through Ginza. And it was weird, just people walking around like zombies, totally out of it. And I get through, uh, I get to like Ginza, Yurakcho area, and there's this long ass line for the bus, long ass taxi line. And I'm walking down Harumidori, you know, all the way through central Ginza towards my house. And it's that all the way. Tons of people walking the streets, and it's a zombie movie. And I see shattered glass, windows shattered, and that was about it. And so I get to uh, around the Tokyo Bay area, around Ginza sort of, uh, what do you call it, like the fish market area, and there's this big bridge I gotta cross, and I'm sort of like, <laughs> well, should I cross this thing? A whole bunch of other people are, but they're looking, man, they're looking at, the, you know, the side of the bridge, and, you know, you don't want to be on the bridge when it collapses, and so I'm sort of, you just sort of, you know, walking as fast as I can across this thing, and I get there, and I get home, I get home, and my wife's there, and uh, she had made it, and she was uh, she was pregnant with our daughter at the time, 
and she had to go down something like 35 stories, uh, pregnant, seven months pregnant. Uh, but fortunately, she, like I said, her building was right next to uh, our, our apartment. So she got home pretty quickly, uh, despite the 35 stories she had to go down. Now, luckily, she didn't have to go up. <laughs> so we meet, and uh, and that was that. Um, we felt dizzy. We felt dizzy like being on a boat. You felt um, motion sickness. You know, like you were on a, a big boat, a shaky boat. And all day, all day, all night, uh, nonstop, earthquake after earthquake. And I'm taking a shower, I remember. I was even considering not taking a shower because it was hard to stand uh, still in one place. You felt like the world was rocking like a boat. You felt dizzy. And there was nowhere you could escape that except for lying down like you would on a boat. And... Uh, I swear, I, I was tempted to, to to not take a shower, and I was tempted to get some, try to find some uh, s- some uh, motion sickness medicine. You know, they use for uh, cruise ships. So we just sort of hang out and we're watching the news. Interestingly, <laughs> delivery guy shows up and delivers a package. You know, something I had ordered online a few days before. And I tell the guy, and I'm like, man, I'm really surprised. I didn't expect you to deliver the package. We just had the most, the most giant earthquake ever in history, and you just you delivered the package to me like nothing happened. And he's like, yeah, that was a pretty big one, huh? And he's like, here's your package. And I'm like, man, that's Japan, huh? <laughs> just, just go on, business as usual. I'm like, man, good for you, good for you, Japan. That really uh, makes a statement about their culture. So we're hanging out the house, and. I'm sort of just waiting to hear uh, the next day. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, I have to look this up. I'm pretty sure this was a Friday and that we had the weekend. Uh, so I was just sort of waiting to hear from management as to what was going on with the with the office. And uh, we got home, and likewise, internet and power were fine. Uh, a bunch of stuff had fallen over in the house, but other than that, it was, it was pretty much damage-free. I was pretty impressed. A bunch of stuff had fallen over, but other than that, we're fine. Um, all day, all night, we couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep at night, earthquakes were nonstop, and worse than the earthquakes was the building's, uh, earthquake alarms, and even if you didn't feel it, or, or anything like that, uh, just, you know, two in the morning, beep, 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 earthquake, earthquakes approaching, earthquakes approaching, five seconds, five seconds, earthquake, that's what, I mean, every, every 30 minutes, that would happen. Sometimes more. Sometimes every five, ten minutes. Beep, 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 beep. Non-stop. I wanted an off button. It was kind of like a broken smoke detector. <laughs> it just keeps going off in the middle of the night, even though there's no smoke. I wanted to take the battery out, and I couldn't, because it's wired into the building. And it was like this for weeks. Weeks. I mean, it, it gradually got, you know, fewer and far between. But the day of the earthquake, we, no one could sleep. It was either earthquake or alarm, or it was either earthquake, earthquake alarm, or both. And the the, the terrifying thing about the earthquake alarm is it would say earthquake approaching 5 seconds, 10 seconds, something like that. You wouldn't know how strong the thing was, and then it's just like a little pussy one. 
or you feel an earthquake starting and then the earth and then the alarm goes off afterwards it says there's an earthquake i'm like yeah thank you i know but how how big is this thing gonna be and you don't know and some of them were kind of like um man maybe we should get under the desk or a chair you know under the table or something and other ones were like oh that's kind of wimpy and I really didn't want one of the big ones to happen when I'm in the shower. That is my nightmare. I'm totally naked and wet. And I can also barely stand. I feel like I'm drunk in the shower. Because the whole world is just shaking. And we're just dizzy. And I've just felt really sick. Okay. Other things I want to say about the aftermath. Now, I apologize. This is my pussy, you know, Tokyo story. I was not in Tohoku that was really affected. I did not see the tsunami waves coming at me. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, take this story, you know, with a grain of salt. Aftermath. Now, transportation was really screwed up. Wireless networks, phone networks were really screwed up. So, uh, we relied on stuff like Facebook and social media to get messages, you know, uh, communications out to my friends and family. We're okay, blah, blah, blah. Here's what's going on. One thing that was interesting about the the aftermath is you really take convenience stores and things like grocery stores. You really take that for granted. And I learned this the hard way. Now we had ha- we had a, an earthquake preparedness kit, and I learned how insufficient it was. Uh, we had water. Now, fortunately, water was fine. Supposedly, we were boiling it just to be safe, but. Supposedly it was fine, and the tap water was fine. Now, we got really lucky again. Tokyo got really lucky again in that sense. The tap water was was safe, supposedly. Uh, the transportation for food and stuff like that was not okay. So we go to the grocery store, and it was funny, because it was always like a pattern. Like, you'd expect almost that everything would be taken. Like, all the food and all the drinks would just be ransacked. But no, that wasn't the case. It was always like, today, someone took all the milk. <laughs> I'm like, man, who the fuck took all the milk? And we could, we could get by, I could get some kind of substitute or something. You know, get like the drinkable yogurt. Uh, and then the next day, there's milk, but then someone took all the fucking bread. Like, all the bread is gone. And usually it's like the white bread, you know, the sliced bread. Someone took that. That was the theme for like weeks after the earthquake you could not get bread or milk but then other things randomly you could get but pretty much consistently bread and milk was always a big fucking problem getting that and i'll never forget we made the trek out to Jusco eon which is huge you know it's like the walmart it's like the biggest grocery store near our uh relatively near our house it's like you, we could do it with a bike ride. Uh, walking, it would be like a 25-minute, maybe 30-minute walk. Uh, maybe less than that. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But it's I pretty much consider it a bike ride. And we make the trek out there, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just take all the bread and milk and make the problem worse. <laughs> you know? It's funny. I think there was no bread and milk because there was no bread and milk. Whenever someone saw bread and milk, they're like, whoa, that's hard to get. Take it all. I don't even like milk, but take it all because it's hard to get. I don't know. Maybe someone was selling it on uh, on eBay on an auction website or something. Milk. Get it now. 
It's like black market milk. <laughs> it's expired or something. I don't know. That was always a big pain in the ass. And I don't even like milk that much. So we got to Just Go, and they went way the fuck overboard with the bread and the milk. They had, like, a whole, like, display set up. Like, welcome Tokyo. Look at us. We're the big-ass supermarket in Tokyo. We got your bread and milk needs handled here. Okay? They had literally a pyramid of bread. <laughs> it was... It was one of those, like, pyramids of, you know, I remember fondly when I was a kid at the grocery store where they had, like, the giant pyramid of apples. They had this of sliced bread, and I took a picture of it, of me in front of this giant uh, pyramid of, of bread, and I'm like, I found bread in Tokyo after the earthquake. It's a miracle. <laughs> so, that was the bread and milk thing. The other thing was, remember, there's a triple disaster, so we had the earthquake, we had a tsunami hitting the Tohoku coast, and then the, the, the nuclear disaster, which, is, which I would argue is the worst of them all, because it's going to be a hundred years, a thousand years, and that thing is still, still not over, still not cleaned up. And that was where the focus was, as you'd understand. Tokyo, fairly unscathed from the earthquake, and the tsunami didn't hit it. So what's left to worry about is that nuclear disaster. Is this radioactivity coming to Tokyo? People were publishing, you know, those radioactivity readouts. You know, the Geiger counters, or I don't know what these things are called, but, you know, they had online streaming streams of these things. Here I am in Tokyo, I got one of these things, and, and this is the readout. Is there a radioactive cloud coming to Tokyo? What's going on? There are so many unanswered questions, and people were freaking out. And the group that I could represent that was freaking out a lot more than the other groups because they had the uh, they had the passports that enabled them to freak out was the foreigners, the guy jeans, the guy cocoa jeans, if you're going to be politically correct about it. And uh, we had a term for it. We called fly jeans. The fly jeans. The fly jeans were all getting the fuck out of Tokyo, getting the fuck out of Dodge. They're going back to their home countries. Because they had a home country other than Japan to go home to. And a lot of them were just it was just doing that. And I don't blame them. Because it was, it was a, a very expected and very understandable thing to do after such a large triple disaster. And it makes sense. Get the fuck out. Let's, let's shit settle down a little bit. And a lot of, um, I, I heard from my office, and we were basically closed a solid week. We, we closed the office a full solid week. And everyone was checking in with each other. Management was checking in with me. Are you going to go back to your home country? You're more than welcome to. We completely understand, you know, uh, you don't have to take a holiday in order to do this. You know, this is an extenuating circumstance. And I was one of few um, in my gaijin community, if you will, that did not. And my family was saying, you know, maybe you should, you know, you can hang out in LA for a week or so, just let shit, shit blow over a little bit, you know, it's right after the disaster, I was really not looking forward to going to the airport and booking a flight in under these, these circumstances. Uh, that's a bad excuse. The better excuse I have is that my wife was seven months pregnant, and I really didn't want to fly to another country, uh, either with or without her, without her even worse, um, and 
uh, I mean, we weren't going to stay a few months in America, but we we were just not really keen on traveling, uh, especially my wife was not really keen on traveling uh, at seven months pregnant. And you're right, maybe she should have. Maybe actually traveling is what she should have done. But we just made a judgment call at the time. So um, you can disagree or agree with it or whatever. Uh, it's It's all water under the bridge for now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else left to say about this story, uh, other than the, the, over time, I mean, it was just one disaster to another, and after the nuclear disaster, people in Tokyo were just freaking out, there was just all these talks and news reports, and the Western media, you know, with their sensationalism, and I'm not blaming them saying that this stuff was unjustified, uh, the, the nuclear disaster is and was real, it's still going on. Uh, but the Western media really played this shit up, you know, and they, they milked it for every every rating that it was worth. And I guess, you know, hey, I got to wait 30 years to see if I get, you know, some, some kind of uh, thyroid cancer or something like that. <laughs> so I'll check in with you again, <laughs> maybe in 20, 30 years, and we'll see how that worked out. Maybe I should have uh, been a fly gene. Uh, so final thing, after the... After the whole nuclear thing, the next thing was the power infrastructure of Japan. Tokyo had to shut down and go on ultra power saving mode. And we, uh, I went on the subway and it was like half lighting or like a third lighting. You know, every third light bulb was turned on instead of all of them. And I gotta say, I kind of liked it. <laughs> Some parts of the subway stations look like a horror movie, like I was in the Saw. I especially liked it when that one... When that one light bulb that was lighting the whole hallway was like flickering, <laughs> it was. It would have been perfect, the perfect setting to film a horror movie very cheaply. There was the Tokyo subway, and it was funny. Japanese people just went on like life as usual. Uh, the Japanese coworkers, some of them just went to work, went to the office the next day, <laughs> like. Like, on the following Monday, I mean. Uh, like, nothing had happened. And the Japanese team that we have uh, in our office, that's, that's uh, majority Japanese, hence the term Japanese team, <laughs> uh, they just went on like business as usual. And all the fly jeans, all the, all the foreigners were like, oh my god, we gotta get out of here. And time will tell who was right and who was wrong. Who's got the cancer and who doesn't from the, the radioactivity. Uh, but the power infrastructure started getting fucked up, and there's all this talk about this, about how, uh, you know, West Japan has, you know, 50 hertz or something like that, and uh, East Japan has 60 hertz. Maybe I have that backwards, I don't know. And, you know, we can't import power from West Japan because it's on a different cycles, and blah, 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 and everyone wants to shut down all the nuclear reactors, and it's still going on. It's still going on. Uh, the lighting is back to normal. In the Tokyo subways, I kind of regret that. It, it was kind of cool having it under. I, I didn't think we need that much lighting. I think we should save. I think we could could save power in more ways, uh, and that we that we should be doing. We should be doing that stuff, regardless of whether the power infrastructure is under a strain or not. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know how they fixed it. Uh, Fukushima obviously was taken out. That's out of commission. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know what they did. But the power is pretty much back to normal. And five years later, uh, I don't want to say it's back to normal, but the remaining 
disaster recoveries, really, obviously, the, the tsunami that just leveled entire towns, and the nuclear disaster, obviously. Uh, but overall, I guess my, my general theme, I want to say, thank you for listening if you've gotten this far, is Tokyo was fairly unscathed. I mean, I experienced a 9.0 earthquake. I mean, it wasn't that strong in, in Tokyo, obviously, but at the epicenter is 9.0. Biggest earthquake I've ever experienced in my life. And um, I, I lived, I survived, and Tokyo in general lived and survived through it fairly well. Um, and I am not looking forward to the time when that 9.0 is right under Tokyo, because Tokyo will not fare so well someday. And I hope I'm not here. I hope I'm long and dead uh, when that happens, uh, because I know that Tokyo's convenience and infrastructure spoils me, and there's no earthquake preparedness kit that I could assemble that is going to prepare me sufficiently for a 9.0 earthquake with the epicenter being in Tokyo. So... I mean, I don't know, other than other than just getting a hell of a lot of water and maybe a generator and and rations, and uh, I don't know, I'm researching it. And, and I keep building up this earthquake preparedness kit. Uh, but there is nothing you, you can do to prepare yourself enough. Uh, because I, I learned that I am, I, I take all that for granted. You take the water, you take hot showers, you take your food, you, you, you take the convenience store next to your house, the grocery store down the street. I, t- I took all that for granted. And even even the earthquake, I was like, man, the convenience store doesn't have sandwiches I like. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, man, what an asshole I am. Uh, entire towns were leveled by the tsunami. <laughs> And I'm complaining about, like, the sandwich that I like is not in stock at the convenience store near my house. What an asshole I am. And things like this, it puts it all into perspective. I'm like, man, we're such babies. Human beings are such fucking babies. The power goes out for ten minutes, and you're like, oh, no power. Oh, I got no internet signal here. What do I do? I can't get this. I can't, I can't check my Facebook. I can't post this Twitter because my internet signal uh, doesn't work. When are they going to fix that? Come on, guys. The power's been out for five minutes. Uh, the water's cold. I can't take a hot shower. <laughs> Man, it just, it just put it all into perspective. You know, you turn on the news and people are dying in the streets in Syria. There's no food, no water, no power. There's war. Explosions and war in Syria. And there's a giant earthquake in Tokyo, and I complain about the sandwich that I like being out of stock. So human beings, myself included, are are big fucking babies. That's that's what this thing, that's what this whole experience taught me. And that's the lesson that I'd like to teach every one of you, okay? You are a big fucking baby in a diaper (laughs) i don't know or maybe you're not maybe you're a former navy seal that's really hardcore and you know how to save people and you know how to take care of yourself in the middle of the forest with nothing you know but a loincloth and a spear (laughs) because i i want to learn to be you someday someday i'll get around to doing that after that sandwich is in stock (laughs) 
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Japanatron. Uh, if you like Japanatron, follow me, all that stuff. Uh, Japanatron.com. That will take you to the podcast section of my main site, which is mondaiji.com. And I got all my uh, follow me links and stuff at the bottom down there. So, all right. Take care, everybody. Toodles. Welcome to You have received this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.